Greetings to each one in Jesus' name. It's a privilege that we can meet once again. Maybe you're getting tired by now, showing up night after night. God bless you for your support of these meetings. Uh, right before our memory selection, there's some verses that talk about manifested by the light, or whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And sometimes I feel the need to bring things to the light so that they can be reproved. You ever think about that? Sometimes we have to bring things to light so they can be reproved. Let's say our memory selection, it's found in Ephesians 5, 14 through 16. And think about it as you say it. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Do you believe the days are evil? This was written a long time ago. I don't think they've gotten any better. I think they've maybe gotten a little worse. The title of tonight's message is, Remember Now Thy Creator in the Days of Thy Youth. Well, that's not the whole title. Just remember now thy creator. Ecclesiastes 12, some of the better things written in Ecclesiastes. Verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I've met a couple older people that aren't having a lot of pleasure in their older days. There's a lot of pain and sorrow and uh, joint aches and back aches and, and all these things. And uh, they probably wish that they could be a little younger or at least feel a little better. And then the very, I think it's the end of that chapter, Ecclesiastes 12, 14, it says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, man has always had a problem with desiring to be whatever stage of life he is not currently in. A child wishes for their next birthday. And when they're an adolescent, they wish they were a teenager. And when they're a teenager, they wish they were married. And when they were married, they wish, I don't know what, the, children. And when they have grandchildren and they're old, they're like, man, to be a baby again. <laughs> Wasn't that nice? We didn't have these responsibilities. We didn't have these burdens. We didn't have all this stuff to take care of. And we have this problem with always wishing for something that we're not. And I want to encourage you, if you're a youth here today, don't wish for something that you're not. Don't wish for some future date. Enjoy the time of your youth, because it's short. <laughs> it's a very short time in life. So enjoy it. This evening, I will primarily talk to the youth. And I want to try to make it practical to young men and young women. Ecclesiastes 11.9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And I'm going to insert young lady here as well. Rejoice, young man, young lady, in your youth. Enjoy being a youth. Don't just long for a different place in life. Enjoy the short time frame where you have less responsibilities. So maybe you have more, it's a varying responsibilities depending on the home that you find yourself in. But chances are tonight that your mom and dad are maybe paying your electric bill, maybe paying some fuel for you, you know, doing, providing you with a vehicle. And, and I know we're not all in that same circumstance, but as a youth, there's some, there's, it's an easier stage of life. You have the ability to go more places and do stuff. You have a better ability to do it than I do. I have the responsibility of 
six people besides myself. You're responsible for yourself. And so it's a great opportunity to do things for God. Just remember that you're shaping the rest of your life. The things that you do in your youth will stick with you probably till you're... Who's the oldest one here? They'll stick with you through life. The things that you did in youth will, will probably stick with you all the way till the end. God will one day bring whatever you do into judgment. And I don't think this has to be a scary statement. We've made it into a scary statement because of our actions, but I don't think it has to be a scary statement. I think if we did things for God, we'd be happy if they're brought before judgment, right? If we're living for God and we're sold out for Him, what's He going to say? I could tell you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Lord. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't that what we should be doing? The writer here gives us a short but profound ways to fulfill the youth. Put away sorrow from thy heart. So what do youth have to be stressed about? Relationships at school? Uh, I don't know. That whatever, what I know is that when a youth is stressed about something, that stress is just as real as an adult being stressed about something. And yet it seems pretty trivial once we've looked back on it. But in that time, that was a real stress to whatever youth, what they were going through. And somehow we have to learn to relate to that and say, not say, well, that's just a little thing, get over it. I think if a youth comes to you and they say, this is a stressful point in my life, and you know, I'm not sure how to deal with it, help them through it. Walk beside them. Do what it takes. So don't spend your time worrying and put away evil from thy flesh, it says. If a youth is doing things that their parents don't approve of, they know God doesn't approve of, they know they shouldn't be approving of, this can bring a great deal of worry and sorrow to the life of a youth. Don't enter into this time alone. So I said you're alone as far as your responsibilities. But God has to be leading you. God should be leading you. If you allow God to lead you early on, it, you'll have way less regrets, and you'll, the, the benefits are out of this world. I recall my youth pretty well, and I recall the feeling of being invincible. And I was young, healthy, and whatever I put my mind to do, I could generally accomplish. That was a pretty good feeling. After a while, you get to the age where you put your mind to it, and it's still hard to accomplish because you just don't have the physical stamina you once had. You don't have uh, whatever it is that you once had. That hyphen on the tombstone between, what's my birthday? 1987, what's the end? It don't matter really, that hyphen's pretty short. No matter how old you get, that hyphen's going to be pretty short. But imagine if it's even shorter period of your youth. It's a very short time of life. There's a huge amount of joy and fulfillment in serving God from your youth. As a young person today, you have the ability to change history for the good. You have ability to make difference in your cult culture. You have the ability to be an integral part of the kingdom building. I like youth to be serving. I was so blessed when I went on the D.C. street meetings that it was filled with youth, passing out literature, doing what I think youth are, should do. That's Our youth are wonderful missionaries. We say, well, we need more older people doing it too. 
But youth are tremendous missionaries. You know what an example it is in today's day and age when people see youth that are sold out for God? That is a tremendous testimony of some awesome changing power. You know, well, I, I can see that old guy being a Christian. But this youth, he's not out partying. He's not out doing all these foolish things. Had I not given my life to God when I did and listened to my parents' instructions, I'd be at a much different place in my life right now. I know I shared a lot of negatives yesterday, but there was a lot of times I said no to things that my flesh wanted to do. There was a lot of times that my parents said, well, we don't want you to go to so-and-so's house, and I didn't go to so-and-so's house. And that was a blessing. And I can look back and I can see they saved me from a lot of heartache. And we don't see it in our youth. I don't know how to impress upon you that your parents aren't just trying to quelch your fun. They're, I, if they say, don't go there, there's probably a reason behind it, and it's probably pretty legit. The times I blatantly ignored my parents' advice turned into regrets and turned into messages like yesterday. That wasn't fun stuff that I was doing. That, that was times that I have regrets in my life. The time, but there was many times that I said no. I remember times where... I was even doing wrong stuff, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I, I think I went to Walmart and bought a movie, and I got about halfway home, and I pitched it out the window. I said, I'm not going to watch that. And, and just, I threw away CDs and all sorts of stuff. The Holy Spirit was working in my life, and I wish I would have listened better. If there was one thing I wish, I wish I would have listened to my parents a little better. Because all the advice they gave me was spot on. Uh, <laughs> I can see it now. It's, it's very clear. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So God said it. And everything he says, he says for a reason. Ephesians 6.2 Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Or at least you'll have fulfilled days. You'll have fulfillment at the end of your days. Save yourself some heartache. Proverbs 10.1 A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is heaviness of his mother. Proverbs 17.25 A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Why cause your parents grief and pain? It, I just, I don't understand why we do it. Um, when we rebel, it causes our parents a lot of heartache. And one day, if the Lord tarries, you might be a parent. And then you feel really stupid. And what if your children follow your path of like you were when you were a youth? Because a lot of times that can happen. As a youth, it's sometimes hard to imagine that not many years before, your parents found themselves in your very shoes. They had similar experiences, temptations, and desires. They made mistakes that they probably don't want to tell you about. They did some things that really aided them in being a better Christian, and those things they impressed upon you, and you need to listen. Listen to your parents' advice. We've been given, look at the privilege we've been given to be raised in godly homes. It, it's such a privilege, I don't even know how to state it to you this evening, but to be raised in a Christian home 
the responsibility and what you'll give account for is pretty great. Youth is often a time of life when God is shaping you for future responsibilities. As a youth, what are the desires of your heart this evening? Is it just to have a good time, or is it to further the kingdom? The other thing I want to impress on you is the need for voluntary service. Use this time to be of service to the kingdom. Use this time to go on work projects, to go to D.C. street meetings, to help your grandparents for no pay, to do these things. I, so many children are getting straight out of school, and they're getting good-paying jobs, and then they're getting vehicles, and they're getting cell phones, and they're paying rent, and they're getting tied down straight out of high school, and they don't know the blessings of service. And then they get married, and they say, I wish I could serve. But you have, a, you have a responsibility to your family then. And I don't think it's good for a man to be taken away from his family for an extended period of time, even to do service work. Then, once you're married, your responsibility is to your family. And if you can take them with you, and if you can teach your boys things, I think that's good. But take this time of relative freedom to do voluntary service. I was impressed um, when David, after he was anointed king by Samuel, he went back to watching his father's sheep. Uh, and people watched him, and they watched how loyal he was to his job, and they watched his service, and the king's men were watching him. People are watching you today. People are watching what you do. And there could be someone watching you for a future experience that you're not even that you don't even know is coming. When the king needed someone to come play harp for him, what did they say? 1 Samuel 16, 17. And Saul said unto his servant, Prove me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of his servants, said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and plain, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, a prudent in matters, and comely person, and the Lord is with him. As a youth, would people say that about you today? That the Lord is with you? Or would you say, he's a frivolous person, he enjoys having fun, and he's looking out for himself? Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. I've always had a heart for youth. I love the youth. And that's maybe why I'm sometimes hard on youth. But I, want, I don't want you to experience the same pain and regrets that I had. And I don't know if that's even possible, but I, I'm going to do my best part to try keep you from some regrets. Some of your friends will have good advice for you. But that is not the primary people that you should go to for advice. As youth, go to someone older for advice. And I think I picked up on a little bit. Do you have an uh, older men's Sunday school class and a youth Sunday school class? Um, I guess that's okay. But when, when I see them separating too much, I wonder if we don't need some older advice in our youth class. Or I wonder if we don't separate too much. We need to listen to our elders. We need to listen to people that have walked on the road before us and take their warnings, take heed. And then when you go to do something, say, why am I questioning what I'm about to do? 
So why was it a question at all? Why am I questioning what I'm about to do? Do my parents not approve? Does it violate my personal convictions? Is it an activity that I would not normally do? And or, or is it something that if it turns into a regular habit, I won't be happy with? Is the road you are on leading to the destination you desire to end up at? Are you choosing what feels good for the moment? Ecclesiastes 8.11. It has been rather enjoyable, even all the vanity stuff, reading through Ecclesiastes. And there's some pretty profound verses. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is full set to them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with him that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are, on, are as a shadow, because he feareth not God. Do you think that's what's happening with our youth a little bit? That's what would happen to my youth. Because judgment was not executed speedily, the sons of man's heart was turned to evil. So, you could do something wrong, no punishment, nothing happened, no lightning struck me down. And so, I thought, well, it's delayed judgment. Well, delayed judgment does not equal no judgment. Just remember that. Delayed judgment doesn't equal no judgment. It just means that it's delayed for a time. There will still be judgment. The church needs her young people. It's a vital part of the survival of our church. We need you. We love you. We want you. And we want you to be building the kingdom. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I already mentioned this, that it speaks to the world to see young people living for God that aren't uh, fulfilling the lust of their flesh. To the unsaved, the Christian life appears boring, right? Feels like, oh, they're not doing stuff, especially to the unsaved young person. Yet there's something extremely attractive about the peace and joy they see radiating out of a, the lives of people who are saved. I've seen young people that are attracted to our young people and there's like, there's something different about you. Can they say that still? Are they saying there's something different about you? Are they saying you're just like us, you just dress a little weird? If, ser if serving self brought satisfaction, drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, and suicide would not be all on the rise. You've been given a godly heritage, don't spurn it away living a life serving the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That was your past conversation. That was the, your last state. Don't go back. I wonder if our lives as youth accurately portray the Christian life to those looking on. The way you dress. The way you drive. The music you enjoy. The volume at which you enjoy that music. I, I see young men putting subwoofers in their vehicles. And I'm just wondering, what kind of music are you listening to that a subwoofer even does anything? Or does your life scream that you need attention? 
You know, I had my fair share of youthful lust, but I'll tell you, age doesn't make things better. I heard wine and cheese are better with age, and I haven't tried wine and cheese. I don't really like that much. But most things don't get better with age. Sooner you develop personal convictions and maintain them, the better off you will be. Our temptations have greatly increased as our wealth has increased. When we, when we just get out of school and a young person gets a high-paying job, imagine how much the temptations increase when they're handed that first check and that second check and the money starts rolling in. And it shouldn't come as a surprise because 1 Timothy 6.9 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into foolish into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Do you think if all we could afford was a Honda Civic, that we would be tempted to get a Duramax diesel, put on fuel rims, you know, lift it three inches, black out the tail lights, chip the motor, straight pipe the exhaust, put a $3,000 stereo system in it, and then roar around town like we're a conservative Mennonite? Do you think that would be... A temptation. But we've created bigger temptations for ourselves because youth have been handed so much money. Because maybe they weren't taught how to deal with their money. In Alberta, trucks were a big thing. If you had a nice looking truck with the nice wheels and the nice paint job and whatever all else, it was a status symbol. And that was amongst the Mennonites. (laughs) Is that where we want to be? And I don't think it's just Alberta. Maybe power isn't your thing. Maybe it's technology. Do you think you'd have to have the latest Apple Watch, the latest cell phone, the newest computer? Once again, we live in a country where wealth is still readily available for those who choose to work, and most of our youth have been taught that. Do we get them the latest gadgets? Do our youth have the latest iPads and iPhones and Apple Watches? And Do they have all this? Have we provided it for them? Or do they look at Daddy and does Daddy have it all? And they say, one day I'm going to have it too. Young ladies, I've seen it all too often where I see our ladies and it looks like what I call a Mennonite fashion show. The layers, the braided hair, the right shoes, the list could go on and on. Do you think the temptation for shoes for each outfit would be a temptation? Or a sweater to match every dress? Or, you know, all these things. What, what is the end goal? In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Some of the styles I see, I think they're a direct influence from the world. Or worse yet, watching some Christian lady on YouTube that's putting on makeup, eyeliner, painting her fingernails, maybe her toenails. Maybe I'll paint your toenails because at least you can stick them in your shoes and no one sees it. Why? (laughs) What's it for? What are you after? What does that tell about the desires of your heart? Does it, is it women professing godliness? Or is it women professing vanity? 
Or is it just youthful lust? Well, eventually youthful lusts turn into adult lusts. And eventually you become a parent. And if you still have those in your heart, I've seen way too many older ladies that are dressing their young girls like they wish they could dress themselves. Do you think that's a blessing? Do you think that's what's going to bring our next generation up in the fear of God? I don't think so. I think we have to be careful how we dress our little girls. I think we have to be careful how moms promote things in their daughters that they wouldn't do themselves. Don't do it. The desire for attention from males, the way you, dr the way you walk, the way you dress, the tightness of the dress. To flaunt what God gave you is not that which becometh women professing godliness. The bad boys are always more fun to hang out with until you end up marrying one of them and they keep flirting with other girls and they keep doing other things that were once fun and now it turns into heartache. Just remember that if you're dating. Young men, you have a high calling. And without the Holy Spirit ruling and overruling in your lives, you will not be able to live up to that calling. Because what you have been called to do is directly against what your flesh desires to do. Are you aware of that? Your flesh desires one thing and you've been called to do a different thing. Galatians 5. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. But, but if ye be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What I'm about to tell you, I do not expect you to be able to do on your own strength. More than don't expect you to be able to, but I know if you're trying to do this on your own strength and you don't have Jesus ruling and overruling in your heart, that you're failing and you're probably a little discouraged right now. If you're in a relationship with a young girl, as that relationship grows, it's natural that your physical attraction to one another will grow too. Okay, So as your relationship goes, your physical attraction to that person will also grow. And there are some couples that start out their relationships upon physical attraction. If that is how your relationship started out, you're already well on your way to failure. If all you're attracted to is looks, feel, touch, emotions, you're already on your way to a miserable relationship. That doesn't mean that's where it has to stay, but if you begin your marriage based on guilt of how far you went before you got married, you're going to struggle after you get married. Does that make sense? So we're like, well, we've went too far. We can't break up now. We've done too many things. We've done things we shouldn't do. 
If that's how your relationship and that's how your marriage came about, you're going to regret. You're going to have regrets in your marriage, and you're going to have probably a rough marriage. I know for a fact that couples, that the beginning of the relationship was with the purest of motives. Good couples. Couples that wanted to serve God. Couples that were sold out for God. They had a hands-off relationship. They, they didn't snuggle and do other things like this. But even those couples struggled with physical attraction after they were engaged and after they had committed their lives to one another. It's a real thing. So if you start out your relationship on the wrong foot, it's not going to go well with you. I know a lot of young couples that have a lot of your regrets because of what they did while they were dating. And it felt good. It was fun, or whatever it was. But I know a lot of couples with a lot of regrets. Your parents may have told you this already, and I hope they did. But I thought maybe it'd be a little better if it came from me, because I'm a little younger, and I'm not your parent. I know as a youth I struggled sometimes to take advice from my parents. I thought that they... I don't know what I thought. I was like, well, I'll try it out. <laughs> but determine to be pure. My wife and I never kissed till we got married, and we didn't regret it a bit. And I bet our relationship would have been a lot less pure if we had kissed before we got married. Because that kind of intimacy leads to a lot of other things. Keep yourself pure. 1 Corinthians 7.1 Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. God told Eve, don't touch that fruit in the Garden of Eden. God tells men today, it is not good for a man to touch a woman, except for in marriage. So outside of marriage, this whole thing of cuddling or even petting is sin. It's sin against God. It's more than just not good. It is sin. To be all rubbing up against each other and whatever it is, when you're dating, you're not committed to, for life, you're not, you've not said your wedding vows, that is sin. And it, just stay away from it. Men, you are the leader. You're the one that should be saying no. We're not going to allow our passions to rule our relationships. Girls, don't mistake lust for love. A young man that loves you will respect your body and will respect your purity. The society in which we live has promoted sexual behavior outside of marriage as freedom of expression and good and proper. It is not. My, my Aunt Ellie told me something that will probably always stick with me. And this is for the young men. She says, the ladies in town probably have not been taught how to dress. That does not give you the right to look upon them. You're the man. You know better. And that does not give you a right to fulfill your lusts on someone that's not been taught better. Now, our ladies, you have been taught better. Don't cause the boys struggles by your tight dresses or the way you walk or how you walk or how you fall down in volleyball or whatever it is. These things really happen. Don't let it happen. It's not good. It's causing someone else to stumble. 
It's making it harder. You've been taught better. Young men, if you're listening, I guess this goes both ways. If you're listening to the world's music, whether it's country, rock, hip-hop, pop, rap, some is worse than others, but the majority of it will lead to the same destination. The majority of it has a carnal field, has sensuality mixed into it. And there were some bad songs in my day that are very mild compared to what is on the radio today. There is such garbage and filth out there. People have texted us music that our young people are sharing with one another. And you would be horrified of the lyrics that are being shared among our people. What is available on your smartphone was not available when I was a youth. The ease of pornography is found is astounding. And most men in our society have seen pornography by the age of 13. You think it's a whole lot better in our circles. I care to say that it's probably not. Not from what I've seen. Not from the young men that I've talked to. We have many young men that have been into pornography by 13 in our churches. I've also been a little surprised how rampant the sin of masturbation is between our young men and even our young ladies are. And they'll say, well, I wasn't even told it was wrong. No one told me that it was wrong. An act with the sole purpose to gratify self is a direct violation of God's intentions. What he reserved for one man and one woman who have been joined by God um, should not be... It's destroying what God has designed. Also, it's an act that is nearly impossible to do without fantasizing. Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then that they are of the flesh cannot please God. If you engage in this behavior, it will become impossible to please God, and that is not what any of us want. It creates and promotes lustful and immoral thinking habits. And more than that, it leads a person into bondage. Chemicals released during the act of self-gratification have the same addictive chemicals as drugs. It's very addicting. And I know people, both male and female, who are in bondage to this sin. We use the term addiction, and I believe the Bible uses the term bondage or slave. And there's many people that are enslaved. And you can get out of it. And you can have peace. And you can have freedom from this. And you must get it. And especially get it before you get married. Get the sin out of your life before you get to the marriage altar. Get the sin out of your life before you're married. Don't think that marriage is going to fix all your carnal, lustly, lustful, immoral thinking habits, ha whatever habits, marriage doesn't fix these things. God fixes these things. If the grace of God was not 
sufficient to keep you from these things before marriage, your spouse won't be able to keep you from them after marriage. I know of married men who struggle with masturbation after they were married. And it may not just be men. I don't know. If you're a married man here this evening and you're engaged in the gratifying your desires apart or without your wife's knowledge, it's time you repent and make things right before God and your wife. And depending on the level of bondage, maybe your church brotherhood as well. Because you need accountability. 1 Corinthians 6.18 Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? Ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, you say, well, fornication, I know that's bad. You know what the word fornication means here? The word fornication here means to indulge in unlawful lusts. Well, that's a pretty broad range of things, isn't it? <laughs> unlawful lusts. Do you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So what you allow into your body, what you do with your body, if it's sin, you're violating the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that is a serious sin. And I don't think we see it as that all too often. He said, what? Would you make Christ one with a harlot? Well, if you're looking at sensual stuff and lusting after it, and you're a Christian, that's what you're saying. It's a terrible sin. Physical relations are pure and holy when engaged in with a mutual consent between married men and women. Outside of that, it is sin. I believe the reason I've been forced to preach about these uncomfortable subjects across the pulpit is that we have parents who are either ashamed to speak with their children or just are negligent. Because I've had many children that come up to me and have told me these things and have told my wife things and they say, I just can't share this with my parent. And maybe it's too shameful. I don't know what's going on. But we need a closer relationship with our children. And hopefully you have it. But I know there's a lot of children, a lot of youth that do not have a relationship. And they don't feel free to share with their parent. How can we get that? What are we doing wrong that our children won't share with us these things? Little Jimmy is getting his information somewhere, right? And if it's not from you as a parent, do you know where he's getting it? From the internet. It's mixed up and messed up. From his, his buddies at school. From his friends at sleepovers. Is that where you want him getting his information? Is that where you want your daughter being educated? Wouldn't it be willing to put up with a little embarrassment, a little... Well, this doesn't feel comfortable subject to actually explain to them what's going on. You're doing them a great disservice if you're not willing to put up with a little discomfort to talk about some of these subjects. And you're doing your preachers a disservice as well. I've had parents tell my parents what an angel their little child was. They would never lie to them. My child would never lie to me. I asked them what they were into, and they said they weren't into it. Well, I knew their child was. If they're willing to sin against God, they're willing to lie to you. 
Do you as parents know what's happening on your home computer? Do you know what your children look up on your home computer when you're not home? Do you know what your home computer is able to get onto when you're not home? I've talked to young men, and I say, where are you getting this garbage from? Is it your cell phone? They're like, no, my cell phone's locked down pretty good. Where are you getting this junk from? The home computer. How are you doing it? Well, we put it in incognito mode, and we can look up what we want to look up, and it doesn't get tracked. It doesn't get recorded. And parents are old enough that some of these things are dumb. <laughs> and they're like, I didn't know this was possible. There's young men that are opening up to me, and they're telling me things that they're doing, how they're doing them, how they're getting the information they're getting. And someday I want to share with you parents how it's happening. Do you know what TikTok is? Do you know what Snapchat allows? Do you know what's all on Instagram? If you don't, why don't you? If you do, are you allowing it? If you're allowing it, are you okay with the end results? Be willing to ask your children these hard questions. It may save your child years of regret and being damned to hell. Well, maybe you asked them one time. Why don't you ask them again? You know it's hard to lie to your... <laughs> Youth are going to hate me after tonight, but do you know it's hard to lie to your parent repeatedly? Were you really not into anything? You look a little guilty. No, I wasn't. Are you sure? No, I'm fine. I wasn't into anything. Why are you shaking? Oh, I just get nervous when you ask me these weird questions. Oh, see, I've been through it. How many people here know when the best time to plant an apple tree is? Daryl, my. The best time to plant an apple tree is seven years ago. Right? Then you could start having apples. But since that's not available, what about today? So if you don't have a relationship with your youth, it would have been good to have it seven years ago, but why not today? Maybe you weren't interested in their hobbies. Maybe their hobbies were weird to you. Maybe their interests were trivial and childish. Well, it's time you develop a relationship with your youth if you don't have it, because they need that. Sometimes all a child needs to hear is, I'm sorry, I should have done a little better. I know a lot of parents that have regrets of not locking down the home computer like they should have. I know young men, I talked to at Heritage Bible School, and they said, they, they went to their parents and they told them what they were into, and their parents had a lot of regret that they didn't monitor things a little better. I don't want you to have the same regrets. Find out what your children are doing. Find out what they're doing well, all the rest are at youth, and you thought your children were too. You know that happens? It happens a lot. Where everyone went to youth, or so you thought, but a couple of them went somewhere else, had a good time. So maybe everyone is discouraged by now, all the Daniels and Marys amongst us, who like, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
If you have no idea what I'm talking about, praise the Lord. Keep it that way. Ephesians 5.11 And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. My goal this evening was not to discourage, but to bring some things to light. Past failures can simply be that, but they don't have to be future failures. You can't do much to change what you've done in the past, but it doesn't mean you have to continue it into the future. Hebrews 4, 7, again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. Today, if you're not living to the honor and glory of God, if you have engaged in unlawful sexual behavior, or maybe you have, are just trying to have a little bit more fun before you commit your life to Christ, remember this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will cost you far more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. I want to leave you with a song that I used to hate. It's called The Secret Place. My heart is like a house, and one day I let the Savior in. There are many rooms where we would visit now and then, but then one day he saw the door, and I knew the day had come too soon. I said, Jesus, I'm not ready for us to visit in that room, because that's a place in my heart where even I don't go. I have some things hidden there I don't want no one to know. But he handed me the key with tears of love on his face. He said, I want to make you clean. Let me go in your secret place. So I opened up the door, and as the two of us walked in, I was so ashamed, his light revealed my hidden sin. But when I think about that room now, I'm not afraid anymore, because I know my hidden sin no longer hides behind the door. That was a place in my heart where even I wouldn't go. I had some things hidden there, I didn't want no one to know, but he handed me the key with tears of love on his face, and he made me clean, and I let him in my secret place. Is there a place in your heart where even you won't go? Is there a place in your heart where you don't want God to shine his light on? It's so freeing to get rid of that place. <laughs> Such relief when his light comes in and cleans up that room that you've been keeping that no one knows about. There's freedom for you this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, I don't know the hearts of the young people. I don't know the hearts of the parents. I don't know how your Holy Spirit works or moves. I don't know what you're convicting people of this evening. But I know there's probably people here, statistically speaking, that this is a reality in their life. Maybe there's some bondage. Maybe there's some hidden things in their life that they don't want anyone to know about. It's a shame. And it, they're like, well, there's going to be too many consequences, too much stuff to pay. But Jesus, I know you want to make them free. So I pray that you give them the courage and help them to know that we're here to rally around them, to support them and to love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.